Welcome to Regular Dudes Investing, a podcast with regular dudes break down and discuss stocks, news, and efforts to help regular people like yourself become a bit more financially savvy. I'm your host, Moses Hightower, and just like you, I'm trying to get this money, so let's begin. Welcome back to another episode of Regular Dudes Investing. I'm your host, Moses Hightower. I'd like to thank every one of you for returning, listening to my show. Um, I'm enjoying this very much, and I appreciate every one of you for your support. Currently, I'm not in California. I am on vacation in Houston, Texas. Did not expect this frosty cold front to come through and ruin my plans, but I'm still enjoying my time with friends and family, and I figure i still do an episode. So this week, no water, no electricity. This kind of reminds me of times when I was younger, and I lived in the Virgin Islands, and we had no electricity or water uh, during hurricanes. Uh, it sucked. And I remember staying in the projects of my grandparents. I remember in the evening that if you didn't take a shower early enough, you would be one of those individuals getting a bucket and a pot to heat it up. And you would shower out of a bucket because you needed warm water. Nobody wants to take a shower in cold water. So those are things I had to do as a kid. Some folks in America have never dealt with those struggles for being a child of the Caribbean. We've been through some stuff. Uh, even during hurricanes, I remember taking showers in my backyard with a with the faucet and some soap. Just being in the backyard, giving yourself a little wash. Those were times that um, you look back on and they seem bad at the time. But when you look back, it's some of the most memorable moments of your life. And you can appreciate it because it makes you who you are to this day. That's enough of me of my sob story in this uh, frost winter and no water. This week in news, what I would like to talk about is Palantir. Well, Palantir, take a simple PLTR, they're expecting to have a slow revenue growth, about a 30% growth for 2021. It's a lot slower than a 47% that they grew in 2020. So what does that mean? Why is Palantir still dropping? I mean, they're dropping a percentage, but they're still making more money than they were before. This week, locked up purchases by insiders are expected to expire. Those who were able to buy pre-IPO are not able to sell. So that means all individuals who had those shares pre-IPO who are now selling is now given indication to those who bought post-IPO the ability to say to themselves, maybe I should take some profit now and go. Well, for me, I see this as a buying opportunity. Yes, I get it. Um, these guys are selling. The price is dropping. And individuals who bought pre-IPO want to take their profit. It's good for them. But Palantir is a very good company. They have a lot of government contracts with different countries. Uh, recently, they signed with IBM for data analytics. They are one of the key components for our central intelligence for our government and other governments, too. Don't forget, recently, Palantir also is being used for health coordinating for COVID pandemic responses, integrated clinical outcomes for genotyping and lab data and even clinical lab trials. So... Why sell Palantir? Right now, it's currently at $29 a share. Uh, from its highs of 45 I see this as a great opportunity. You're talking about a 33% drop. I think I'm going to buy more Palantir at these prices. I've been in Palantir since it was about $10, and I bought additional as it went up. So my purchase on average is about $14 a share. So I am up 100% on what I've purchased, and I plan to buy 100% more. Another company I would like to talk about is Yandex. If you never heard of Yandex, Yandex is the Russian version of Google. Currently, they're entering the e-commerce world and spending about $400 to $500 million to do so. Revenues have been up 39% year over year for the fourth quarter. Uh, for the entire year, they're up 24% from the previous year. What Yandex has made public is that their taxi segment is up 49%. 
that contributed to 31% of the total revenue. Yandex is involved with e-commerce, transportation, internet services, navigation, mobile application, and advertising. Google is struggling to get into this uh, industry in Russia because of Yandex. They have a strong foothold in that country. And even while Google is trying to expand, they're getting fined. Thing is about Google and what happens to them in many other countries is that they come to different countries with the thought process of the American way. So they find themselves in hot water quite often while trying to compete and expand. But some of these other companies already have a foothold. Like I said, it is the Google of Russia. And they're even talking about getting to e-commerce. So they're trying to be more than just a Google. They're trying to be the Google slash Amazon. And at these prices of $70 a share, it may be the right time to get in. Yandex has a market cap of $24.92 billion, while Google is sitting at $1.43 trillion. So what does that tell me? That means Yandex has a lot of room to grow within its own country. Will they become the next Google at that size? Probably not. But being that they already have foot control in that country, I could see some growth. Um, maybe not to half, maybe not even to a quarter the size of Google. But you say even one-tenth of Google, that's about $140 billion. I think I can go with that. Something else that interesting happened this week, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is shooting up. Bitcoin is about $51,000 a coin. People are saying that Bitcoin is going to go up as far as $100,000 per coin. But I see a lot more than that. I think Bitcoin can hit $500,000. People say, well, why? Why do you think that it can go so high? Let's look at it this way. Countries with hyperinflation need some form of stability. I think with uh, countries actually buying into Bitcoin at these prices, they can find a more stabilized or even growth in their fundings. Right now, Jay-Z and others are teaming up to buy Bitcoin and bring it to Africa in some countries. And they're also trying to stabilize these countries with their fundings. For me, that is a great opportunity. And that's just the beginning. I know. I, I know everybody looks back and think of when Bitcoin was $20 or even $100 or $3,000 or a couple weeks ago, $10,000 or a couple days ago, $30,000. But you can't look at it like that. You have to realize this is a currency or an investment, however you want to look at it. I look at it as a hybrid. This is something different. And people want in. Banks are buying in. JP Morgan's buying in. Eventually, JP Morgan and Apple Pay and everyone is going to be taking Bitcoin. We already talked about in the last episode about how Tesla is taking Bitcoin now and how Elon Musk has bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. Once this coin becomes the norm in many countries, especially those like Venezuela that have hyperinflation, you're going to see a trend of those countries succeeding in the business world. They're going to have higher value and money. All world's currency is contributing to this, meaning there's going to be a stabilization at some point, and there's just going to be a transaction of people spending or buying cryptocurrency. With this being the number one cryptocurrency, there's a lot of room. I don't know what the end is, but I'm going to tell you this, it's not $100,000, and it certainly isn't 51 where it's currently at. But this week, I want to talk about a knowledge-based thing. Let's talk about P.E. ratio. So for those who are investing, you may not know what P.E. ratio is. A lot of new investors don't really read into things to teach themselves how to invest. So uh, every so often, I want to touch on a topic that, you know, maybe to teach you a little bit. So P.E. ratio, what does P.E. ratio stands for? First of all, let's find out what the P and the E actually means. P is your price. What is the current price of your stock? E is earning. What does it earn? Now, when I say earn, is earnings per share. And a P is a price per share. You could use the market cap for the price. Could that be the total value of the company? And you could use the total earnings. Those are big numbers. So what people do is use the already fraction numbers, the P and the E. 
And as you can see, the PE ratio, the symbol is P slash E. Anybody who's been through some math classes will know automatically that slash means divide. So let's go with it like this. Price divided by earnings. And what do we use PE ratio for? Well, for most people, we use it to compare companies, but it's not the final say all when it comes to comparing. We'll give you two examples. You have company A and company B. Let's say company B has a market cap of $100. We're going to make the number small so it's a lot easier to understand. Company A is $100 market cap and each share is worth $10. Now, if each share is $10, how many shares does a $100 company have? Well, 10 times 10 is 100. So if you have $10 a share, there are 10 shares in that company. Company B, we're going to say is also $100 market cap. Each share is worth $5. Now, if you have $5 per share, if you did the math, 5 times 20 is 100. So there are 20 shares in this company. Or if you want to do it backwards, you can do 100 divided by 5 is 20. So the market cap divided by the price per share will tell you how many shares the company has, which is 20. Now we have that for company A and B. Let's go back to company A. So company A, like we said, is $100 market cap and $10 per share. Now the PE ratio, we were trying to do price earnings ratio. So let's say that company A earns $5 per share. Let's say company B earns $1 per share. Now company A with a price of $10 earning $5, you're gonna have a PE ratio of $10, which is a price divided by earnings, which is $5, gives you two. Company B, we're gonna say the price per share is $5 and it earns $1. Five divided by one is five. Now you're probably looking at these two numbers and saying, what does that mean? Company A has a PE ratio of two. Company B has a PE ratio of five. When it comes to PE ratio, the lower the number means the more profitable per share this company is. So right now, if you had to compare these two companies for every $10 you have in this company, it's earning $5. And company B, for every $5 this company is earning $1, which is not a lot. So if you had two shares of company B, that would be $10. And that means for your two shares, you're only earning $2. If you still don't understand that, let me give you another example. I used to sell sneakers back in the days. Air Force Ones, Jordans, but competition was tight sometimes. So if you were selling sneakers, you and I were competing. I'm buying Air Force Ones for $15 a share or Jordans for $15 a sneaker, however you want to say it. And you're buying them for $30 a sneaker. Who's making more money if we're selling them at the same price? Well, clearly I am. Because if I'm buying them for $15 and selling my Jordans for $50, you're, selling, you're buying them for $25 or whatever price you want to say above mine and selling for $50, you're only earning $25. So I'm clearly making more money than you. But that's not the whole story. When it comes to PE ratio, it cannot be used alone. Sometimes for a company, when you want to see how big they're going to be, you have to look at opportunity. So revenue growth is something that I use for my comparison. You can't just compare the PE ratio. You also have to compare how much more money is this company going to make? How quickly are they going to be able to expand? For instance, yes, maybe I am making $35 per sneaker compared to your $25. But what if I lived in Idaho, where there's not many people compared to maybe you living in New York, where there's a lot more people. So if I'm selling about 10 sneakers a day and I'm making $35 a sneaker, you know, that's great. That's $350 that I'm making in profit. But 
If you're making $25 profit and you live in New York, you're selling 500 sneakers, you're making a hell of a lot more money than me. So if you're only making $25 at profit and you're selling 500 sneakers a day, you're making 12,500. Now per share or per unit, I'm making more money, but overall, you are making way more money than I am. So when it comes to PE ratio, where you're gonna use it for a tool, not as a final decision. And for instance, like I said, if company B is growing at a faster rate, for instance, if it's growing at 50% compared to company A that might be growing at 10%, you probably wanna look at company B. But if you're just going strictly on PE ratio, then you're gonna go with the one that has the lowest number, meaning it's earning more per share. So besides that, let's talk about my company this week. The company I wanna talk about this week is Open Door. Open Door is a very interesting company. Open Door Technology, uh, ticker symbol O-P-E-N. Uh, it is a SPAC. Uh, if you don't know what a SPAC is, it's a special purpose acquisition company. This company is a disruptive technology. If you don't know what that means, it is entering a industry or field that hasn't changed in decades or ever. When you want to buy a house, you go to a realtor, they show you the house or buying a house. It's going to be about 6%. Depends on which side you're on and you have to pay the closing fee and all these other things and repairs and, you know, the stress of you sit on the market for long periods of time. All depends on how you want to go about it. This special purpose acquisition or SPAC, uh, Open Door Technology, the stock was originally Social Capital, head of Sophia too, which was IPOB and emerged with Open Door. So what does that mean for Open Door? Well, Open Door is a $18 billion market cap company. Montley Fools calls it the Amazon of real estate. This company falls into a category of iBuyers. Uh, and if you don't know what an iBuyer is, it's a company that uses a technology that makes it simpler to buy, sell homes, and even make it more convenient for the, the seller or buyer. Uh, it takes away the burden of negotiating, marketing, and makes it fast and easy. Uh, vendors or builders can list through and achieve consistent work because houses that are purchased need repair and open door gives the ability of workers to work consistently. So they're going to buy a house from you at the value of the house. And of course, they're going to tell you, well, these are the repairs that are needed and they're going to take the difference off in the amount they're going to give you. And then they're going to pay their workers to repair these houses. Then they're going to turn around and sell it on the market. Now they're going to offer you a lower commission fee, which you're saving money. And yes, they're going to probably give you values in a economy or a state or a city that you live in that houses are very expensive, like say California, maybe you don't want to use this technology. But if you're in an area where the housing market isn't really booming, you might want to take this opportunity to sell it at cost instead of sitting on the market for most of the time. I remember when I was uh, stationed at Wichita Falls, Texas, it sucked because I put my house in the market and I was paying rent for a mortgage for about six months trying to sell my house. It was difficult to sell it. And then I had to worry about someone cutting my grass and uh, making sure nobody's breaking in and freeloaders just staying inside my house. So it was difficult trying to deal with that because I was stressing and paying rent in California and a mortgage in Texas. So it was difficult for me. Now I could probably afford it, but nobody wants to pay two rents or two mortgages at the same time. That's ridiculous. So that makes it easier. They're kind of the equivalent to me of like CarMax. You bring your car in, they tell you what your car is valued and they give you a fair value and there's no stress or burden or anything like that. He's going and get your money and you're done. And they take care of everything. They're going to take care of inspections. You don't have to worry about that. They're going to take care of repairs. You don't have to worry about that. There is no negotiating and all of that other stuff that comes wrong with selling the house. Now for individuals I know that live in California, they put the house in the market and sometimes they get offered more than the house is worth. And the house is sold in like a week or two. So for them, I would say that this is not for you. But in other markets, when, when that's not happening, you want to be able to get rid of the house quickly. 
Nobody wants to sit in a house for six months trying to sell in Wichita Falls, Texas. So using Open Door technology might actually be for you. Open Door has an expected revenue growth of 44% from its current $2.55 billion that it made in 2020, and it's expected to make $3.69 billion in revenue for 2021. Uh, for the 2021 revenue, that is only about 6.4 times the sales growth. That is about 6.4 times the price to sell. Earnings right now is still negative and they're projected to go to positive um, in about the next two years. Earnings right now is about negative 2.14, and they're expected to be 0.52 on average. So that's about a 75% drop in, in money lost, heading in that direction with making more money, more people to get into it. And from what I read, um, Open Door is only about 1% of the industry, meaning there's a lot of room a lot of room to grow. Not only are they providing an easy way for you to buy or sell a home, they're also providing work for other individuals. Social Capital was an early investor. I'm really interested in this because of Chamath Palihapitiya. Um, for those who don't know him, he's one of the chairman of the Warriors. And like I said, he's the CEO of Social Capital. And Social Capital has brought out many companies that you might've heard of, either brought out or invested early into companies such as Slack or ticker symbol Work, um, Virgin Galactic, Clover Health. And if you haven't heard of recently, SoFi. With his track record, I'm very interested in everything he invests into, being that he likes this company and has brought it on his back. I too want to invest into this. Uh, I like the technology. I like the ease and comfort. And for some people who can't get rid of their houses, maybe this might be uh, easier way out. Instead of doing a short sale or something like that, you can go straight to Open Door, have them make you an offer, sell your house, and move on. There's no stress. Like I said, it's just like CarMax. You go in, you get it sold, you're gone. You're done. Move on. If you're trying to flip your house and you're trying to get out of it, this might be the opportunity to get into something like this. So this technology is an industry changer. And for me, anything that changes the industry in a positive way that makes it easier to use just smells like long-term investing. Anyway, that's my stock for the week. Like I said, I'm still in Houston. Lots of wine, lots of tequila, and cold nights because I have no electricity in my Airbnb. Ironically, I have shares in Airbnb. So this kind of makes me see a different light of the company I invested into, but can't blame Airbnb. I can only blame my current situation because of where I'm at. Might have to leave the area, maybe get a hotel somewhere else because this is not cutting it. But it also gives me more time to spend with friends and spend more time chit-chatting, making jokes and delicious meals together. I'm having a blast. I'm enjoying myself in Houston, Texas. Uh, I never thought I would ever consider Texas, but you know what? It might not be a bad idea. Maybe I might move here one day. We'll see. Anyway, that's my show for this week. Stay safe, stay warm. And if you're also in Texas, uh, I feel sorry for you too because you're going through the same thing I'm going through. I appreciate everyone for listening to my show once again. This is Moses Hightower with Regular Dudes Investing, and I'm out. Regular Dues Investing is not legally bound to any investment strategies. All decision falls strictly on the investor as information from Regular Dues Investing is solely for entertainment purposes. <laughs>